Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. In this week's episode, we hear a Jesus story about what to let go of and what to hold on to. A story from the nonprofit organization Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and a reminder not to try to do many things, but to make a choice and do one good thing. In this week's Jesus story from Mark 9, his students come to him all riled up about another group of God followers who were out and about in the community caring for people. In this story, the disciples are not happy when they discover that there are some disciples out there that are copying what they're doing. I don't know if you've ever played sports in high school, but usually there is a varsity team, the first string of players, and then there is the junior varsity team. And when I hear this story, I think of the disciples thinking that they're the varsity team and they don't want any help from the JV team. And so the disciples go to Jesus to tell tales about what they see the JV doing out in the world. And what do you think Jesus' response is to the JV team's efforts? Jesus tells his varsity students, whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose their reward. And the story continues with Jesus teaching his students about how important it is to care for the little ones, to not harm, to not cause them to stumble, and how for those who have the opportunity to help someone in need, they should help. And if they don't help, their fate was something like being handed a heavy millstone and leaping into deep, deep water. Jesus' priority was to make the path clear for those in need of healing and help, direct, to remove any obstacles, 
to be responsive to the needs around him. Jesus wanted his students to know that a refusal to help people in need is a call that can't be ignored, and that there is more need in this world for any one group of Jesus followers to attend to. The JV group had a job to do, and they did it. The varsity team of the disciples also had a job to do, and Jesus didn't want them to miss it. There are times when Jesus is speaking with his disciples that the conversation feels a little astringent or salty. And in this case, with the commentary on millstones and deep waters being the fate of those who ignore the needs of the little ones, Jesus continues this salty talk and speaks about things that can cause people to stumble spiritually and lists some unusual things there, hands and feet and eyes, and says that it's better to cut them off and to enter life without them than to stumble along with them. Finally, Jesus calls his students to stay salty, to have salt within them so that they can be at peace with one another. The disciples were struggling in this moment with their sense of purpose. They did not want to lose their place that they had found in life, the flavor they had found following Jesus. They started to look around and saw others doing good in Jesus' name. And I think they had a human reaction. They got scared of losing their place and their purpose. They lost sight of the idea They lost sight of the fact that the need was enormous, that the poor would be with them always. The little ones will always have great need for helpers, varsity, JV, and any team or person who sees a need and chooses to seek a solution. It's so human for us to worry if our turf or our mission or our calling is, well, ours. Just like the disciples who did not like when they had competition from other groups of helpers, we can stumble over our need to protect our turf instead of following and focusing on the essential thing, caring for the little ones that Jesus has called us to serve. I don't know about you, but I'd rather grow in ability to work with others much more than going swimming with a millstone or undergoing amputation of the stumbling blocks of ego. We don't really have to worry about having purpose and people to serve. There are things and people that each of us are called to care for and to take action for. There are also limits to our human abilities to serve. Each of us has a finite amount of time and energy. We need to discern who and what we are called to care for and what we are not. Earlier this week, I was reminded of this truth in these salty words from Thomas Merton. There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs. Activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything, is to succumb to violence. 
The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. From the sounds of this Jesus story, the junior varsity, the other disciples that were healing in his name, they had found the one thing that they were called to do. Jesus students, perhaps, were stepping into a space of wanting to be all the things to all the people, which will only lead to much suffering and stumbling. And so Jesus invites his varsity team to follow him, and that that is more than enough calling and care of the little ones for that day and that moment. Jesus calls them to do one thing. Does this make sense for us too? Indeed, we can't do it all. Trying this only leads to stumbling, blind, lame, and jumping into an ocean of needs with many burdens, like a millstone, and finding no peace. Which brings me to a story about a nonprofit organization that discovered and pursues the one thing that they're called to do on behalf of the little ones. Sleep in Heavenly Peace believes that all children deserve a safe, comfortable place to lay their heads. Across the U.S., too many boys and girls go without a bed or even a pillow to sleep on. These children end up sleeping on couches, blankets, and even floors. This can affect their happiness and health. That's where Sleep in Heavenly Peace comes in. They are a group of volunteers dedicated to building, assembling, and delivering top-notch bunk beds to children and families in need. Sleep in Heavenly Peace had its start, like many other charities, in a garage. It was Christmas time, a time of joy and happiness, a time of giving and love, but also a time of bitter cold weather and snowstorms. This project was started with building one bed for a single family, and it developed into something a whole lot more. With the wood left over from a first bunk, another was created. Who else could benefit from this bed? So this question was posted on Facebook, and it sparked an unexpected response. What was thought would be a litter of requests from needy families turned into a litany of local people eager to help and volunteer. The generosity of these volunteers was so surprising that it was no longer a search for one child who needed a bed, but a question of how many beds they could provide. From there, the idea grew into a reality. Here to tell us more about the ongoing holy shenanigans of the work of Sleep in Heavenly Peace here in central New York is my new friend, Drew. Hello, my name is Drew Schroen. I'm the chapter co-president of the New York Auburn chapter of an organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. We are committed to ending childhood bedlessness by building handcrafted twin-sized beds and then delivering those beds out to children aged 3 to 17 in the community that need them at no cost to the families. Getting a good night's sleep is so critically important to the intellectual, emotional, and physical development of kids. And kids that get a good night's sleep do a lot better with learning and growing, as well as staying healthier. We see hope restored every time that we go out on a delivery, either in the sparkle of the eye of the kids that are getting the beds, or the smiles, or the awe that they actually have something in their lives now that they can call their own. The delivery that really is the core of my story on why I do this 
and where I can witness God's work is a delivery that I went on a few weeks after I started up with the Syracuse chapter with hope restored for a parent. Jill was probably in her mid to late 30s, and the older girls were sleeping in a room together that had absolutely no furniture in it at all. And to decorate, the girls had painted on one of the walls a forest scene to make the room their own. We had arrived on site and discovered that not only did Jill's husband leave her a few weeks prior, but also that the house that they were living in at the time was in the process of being foreclosed on by the bank. I was the first person at the door, and I could see in Jill's eyes and her heart that she was just going through the motions and really had no hope left in her. I conferred quickly with the delivery team, and we offered, if she had to move, that we would come back out and help her move the beds to wherever she needed them moved to if she lost the house. It was at that moment that I witnessed the hope restored before my eyes. Jill just started crying and pulled myself and one of our other team members into her and held us for about five minutes as the shock and realization flooded through her that there are people in this world that do care about her and that the love and grace of God fills her heart again. And that's part of why I continue to do what I do. I'm constantly reminded that we can continue to restore hope to families as we deliver beds. We also provide a mattress and the linens and the pillow for the children. We can always use new twin size bedding, blankets, and pillows. If you know of a family that needs a bed, please go to our website at shpbeds.org and request a free twin bed. If you're so inclined to learn more about our local volunteer opportunities for our New York Auburn chapter and or maybe come out on a delivery with us, please feel free to email us at ny-auburn at shpbeds.org or call and leave a message at our chapter phone number at 315-294-0674. To reach out to find a local chapter in your town, go to our website at shpbeds.org. Thank you so much. Thank you, Drew, for your holy shenanigans story of hope so that in our town, no kid sleeps on the floor. Thank you, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, for hearing the call of God to meet this need and take action to do this compassionate one thing for the little ones. Do you have any questions about how to discern your one thing? I do too. As we discern our one thing, how is God calling us to care for the little ones? How do we choose our one thing? I think, dear hearts, that this question can be answered by an unusual source, autumn trees. September 22nd marks the first official day of autumn. In this season, trees that were once full of leaves begin to grow thin. The leaves that were once green will change to red, orange, and yellow, and will soon blanket our ground like confetti. Trees have the ability to let go and gracefully move into the next season of life. Leaves change color, fall to the ground, and are raked into a pile of leaves for leaping into and for gathering around. Trees make this process of letting go of maybe choosing one thing look easy, don't they? For people, this process of letting go or choosing one thing can be difficult. We long for what is familiar and what is comfortable, especially in this extended time of change and challenge. But a lesson from trees? Yes, my friends, a lesson from trees. 
Because as we observe the leaves falling from these seasonal trees, we see another picture of how we are called to hold things loosely, to prepare and to expect change with grace and flexibility. So I guess our question this week is this, how is God calling you, I, we, to live out this season fully, to choose one thing, to let go of trying to do it all, and to prepare with joy for the season to come. The trees teach us how beautiful letting go can be. Leaves fall, are gathered into heaps, and people who notice little things and little ones are amazed at how big that colorful pile can grow. As mentioned before, Thomas Merton often provides me the salty words and reminders that I often need to hear. And he says this about living with love as the motivator of doing one thing. You do not need to know precisely what is happening or exactly where it is all going. What you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and to embrace them with courage, faith, and hope. And so with good courage and with permission to not worry about what the other team is up to, we are challenged with the calling to be centered in love, that this is our one thing. And this prayer by Merton serves as some more salt, our call to that one thing, for cozy beds for all the little ones, and for sleep and real peace. And so this week's poem is a blessing by Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following you does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have the desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Thank you, Holy Shenanigans listeners, for sticking with us this week for some salt and some sleep. And thank you to Sleep in Heavenly Peace for sharing your story of hope with us today. May we all be about the work of the one thing, the salty thing, the holy shenanigans that surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down, all in the name of love. This is an unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. 